everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. This episode is called An Officer's Wife. Should we put a trigger warning? For which part? The suicide stuff. I would say if suicide stuff upsets you, skip until like half an hour in because the rest of the episode is wild. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there's caddish behavior. There is extreme caddery, cadness, <laughs> cadiscary. You're so caddy. So this is season 21, episode 62. It originally aired September 20th, 2013, but then it re-aired just last month, which is why we're doing it. It's hosted by our friend Josh Mankiewicz. Twofer. Oh, a twofer. Uh-huh. I feel like we're getting more mink. I feel like I was on a mink withdrawal, and then now I'm getting more mink. And my diet is pro-mank all the time. Yeah. We are in New Mexico. Levi Chavez was married to Tara. They met at summer camp as teenagers. That's adorable. I met no one at summer camp. Well, they got married uh, before graduation because she got pregnant. They were still in high school. She was a hairstylist who wanted to open her own salon. Levi was a cop. Get ready for cops behaving badly. Yeah. Where's that TV show? Cops. Cops on Cops. Cops the other side. Oh, yeah, Cops on Cops. Cops the other way, like 90 Day Fiance the other way. Something like that. Bizarro World Cops. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So he was a cop for... Wait, Cops, the other side of the thin blue line. Cops. I'm going to get one for this. I just... Yeah, yeah. Maybe not this minute. He was a cop for the Albuquerque Police Department. We almost moved to Albuquerque when I was in high school, but we didn't. I've got it. True story. Cops. Yeah, she doesn't care. Off duty. But they're doing bad behavior on duty. Oh, well, that's... You needed to clarify that. You almost moved to Albuquerque. I heard you. Yeah, but we didn't. I wonder how you would have done there. I don't feel well. Well, I don't feel like I would have done well. I really don't like the heat. I would have been different. Oh. But I bet I would have had much nicer friends than I had in Orange County. Oh, I thought you were going to say that you have now. And I was like, hi. I would be on a totally different podcast with a different person. Cops off duty. Cops off duty. (laughs) We... Are in 2007. They had two children. Levi works long hours. One night, someone tried to pry open the front door. She was scared. Tara was scared. So Levi had her keep one of his old duty guns at home. And then one night, his truck was stolen when he was at work. We're going to hear a ton more about the truck, but we hear nothing more really about the break-in attempt. Two weeks later, the kids were away visiting Levi's dad. Levi was working, but... We're going to find out more what he was actually doing. And he stopped home to check on Tara. He found her lying in a pool of blood in bed. And he did the thing that somebody else didn't do, which is when he's on the 911 call, they ask him to go to another room and he says, I won't leave her, which I feel like we criticized someone else recently for just waiting outside. Yes, we did. Didn't we? Yeah, it was the case with the, it's like three or four episodes ago. The wife who was a wonderful woman, they were, oh, Spider Lake. They were going to buy the resort when her husband, remember, he was a little funny. Yeah. And he kind of like shut the door and walked away. He like barely even checked to see if she was actually deceased. Oh, yeah. 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 I wasn't a fan of that. That was a weird, that was some weird business. He looked from the doorway. He peered from the doorway. Yes. And could tell that she wasn't, she was... Not right. Okay. And that was enough for him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is a good enough check. So the detectives come to the scene. We meet our main detective, Jones. 
Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. He comes to the scene. He finds her dead with a gunshot wound to the head and a note, a gun, the gun is next to her and a note next to the bed that says, I'm sorry, Levi. Now he thinks it's a suicide. They have a lot of suicides there, unfortunately. That was weird. Yeah. He said this county, it's not like a rare thing. And I was like, why? Because should expand on that. You know, you hear about like Washington, places that are dark all the time. They talk about like the lack of sun. Do you know what I'm saying? There are higher suicide rates. But like Albuquerque, why? I don't know. It's a great question. I would always think it'd be a nice place to live. Maybe not. Me too. Bet we're going to hear from people that it is not a nice place to live. Yeah, we might. You know, like how dentists have the highest suicide rate. I don't know if that's true or an old wives tale. It's interesting. I've always heard that too, though. It could be old wives tale. I'm not sure. Police say that Levi was inconsolable. He's calling himself a piece of C-R-A-P. He's saying he should have been a better husband. We hear him say, I'll never forgive myself. And God let her go to heaven, which I thought was interesting. But then maybe I thought maybe they're religious and they think suicide is a sin. Oh, I didn't think about that. I was wondering why he said that. I sort of assumed it had something to do with him, but that makes a lot of sense. Oh, boy. So then he says, dude... (laughs) He says dude all the time. Dude. Yeah, he is a dude guy. Dude, the rest of my life, I'll never move on. This is the problem with our generation saying like, and I know we do it too, and he was like, and she was like. It doesn't fit the circumstance. It doesn't fit the seriousness of the circumstance. Yes, I would expect him to say, I don't know why I expect when someone's grieving, they sound like they're in a Bronte novel. So. It makes sense. He said that she that Tara suffered depression, but he didn't take it seriously. Police find her journal. It was very dark. Things like sometimes I just want to disappear. I'm depressed. I want to fall off the face of the earth. And there's another page of writing that's torn up in the trash can. But that note on the side of the bed just said, I'm sorry, Levi. Levi had gotten a text earlier that said, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt myself. I'm so upset, sad and hurt which is why he went home to check on her. Police wrap it up as a suicide. They go tell her parents and they refuse to believe that's suicide. They don't think she would have left her kids. They don't want to believe that. Now, the last entry in her journal showed how happy she was. The dark passages were from a lot older times, You, most of them in the past. How long ago? They don't tell us, but I want to know, like, are they considering older times six months ago or like several years ago or a month ago? How old are those? Some of them were from several years, I believe, but I could be wrong about all of them. And the ripped up one in the trash can, we're assuming is from recently, the letter or the entry, whatever it may be. Well, they're assuming it was a first draft of a suicide note. But then she just tore it up and went with, I'm sorry, Levi. That doesn't ring true to me. No, it doesn't. She was. But I don't know. We don't. I mean, we don't know. Hard to say. Yeah, Yeah. she was. But they the family said she was really excited about things. She was finally making plans to look at real estate to open her own hair salon. Her best friend, Melanie, doesn't believe it either, said she was happy. The parents are telling the detective, Aaron Jones, you have to look into it. Now, he was already a little suspicious because women make up just 10% of gun suicides. Plus, Hmm. someone had tried to steal or had stolen Levi's van and had tried to break in a few weeks ago. But there was nothing missing at the scene, no forced entry. Jones goes back to the scene, finds a smear of blood on the bed. 
which is odd. And there was a red substance in a toilet on the other side of the house, which is very strange. Yeah. The patterns of blood on the gun make it look like the person was left-handed. Tara was right-handed. Interesting. Well, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. The Jones says he was playing around with the gun, trying to figure it out. And he even put the gun unloaded in his mouth to play with it. To And Mank is very disturbed by this. Yes, he is. And it's like, that's dark, dude. But then later, Mank is kind of playing around with the gun, kind of haphazardly. And he doesn't appear to be someone who has handled a gun that much in his life. Mm-hmm. I could be just presuming. I just don't feel like he has. And mm-hmm. the, I felt like the cop was getting a little nervous at that time, even though I'm sure the gun wasn't loaded. But Mank is kind of flicking it back and forth and stuff. And I felt oh, like cop was like, I'm very uncomfortable right now. I mean, I don't know. Is it just super dedication to the to the job? It is super dedication. I mean, trying to get into the mindset of the person. It was unloaded, we should say. It was unloaded. Mank says it was unloaded, right? When you were doing this. He says, Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Do we do how do you feel about Jones? I like Jones. I mean, I loved our detective last week, so I'm still Right. Reeling from that. The bar was high. Yeah, the bar was high for me to like anyone new so soon. I wasn't ready for someone new. Yeah, no, it's like a rebound. (laughs) It is a little bit. But I liked Jones and there's specifically something in his B-roll that I found intriguing. And I would like to maybe, if he wrote a book and published it on Amazon, I might check it out. To see if he mentioned this specific, I don't know what you're talking about. No, just to find out about his life. I don't know what you're... I'm interested in just like who he is as a person. What did I miss in B-roll? I didn't notice anything interesting. Oh, really? Okay. Did you notice his giant turquoise ring? No. On his middle finger that's from here to here? Why are you saying turquoise? I've heard people do it. Okay. Turquoise. It's a statement ring. Yeah. What does it mean? And I know that Albuquerque is like kind of a turquoise jewelry area, but I don't know. Did it look like a class ring or anything like no, that? No, not at all. Some sort of fancy club? No, it looked like a choice given to him means something. Interesting. I have so many questions now. Well, what did you think of him? I liked him. I liked him. Good. And he gets besmudged later on. I did not like that. I was defensive towards him. Yeah, me too. For him. I was like, not Jones. Don't be speaking about Jones like that. So the manner of death is a suicide by the medical examiner. So it should be a closed case, but Detective Jones doesn't want to let it go. He says things about it started stinking. Speaking of stinking, Uh I'm going low carb and eating right, and that can really stink. But? But with Monk Pack, it doesn't. I think we all know we're all in that New Year's resolution, shall we call it a... Dipping point, the honey, <laughs> whatever it's the honeymoon phase is over. Oh. We're around the 17th day itch that happens after your New Year's resolution. I've been telling myself it's not too late. It's not too late to start. No, but, it's not. But New Year's resolutions are really hard if you're setting yourself up to fail by being really, really strict on yourself or not doing things that you enjoy or things that you can maintain. Now, Monk Pack actually makes eating better something that you will want to do. Their keto nut and seed bars contained less than one gram of sugar, two to three net carbs, and they're only 150 calories. 
with that, I'm trying to think how many I could have. I could have like 30 of them a day. I'm going to be honest. They taste so good that I could polish off five in a sitting. That's normal. Yeah. Just boom, 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 boom. They're really good. I feel like that goes against the whole purpose, but whatever floats your boat. Honestly, you sort of get full after one. You do. Because they're they are the kind of snack that it's really hearty because the, all the ingredients in it are real and good. Yeah. It's not fake in the thing. Yeah. Not a lot of hidden sugar and all that stuff. They're great for people eating keto or just trying to eat better while still having delicious, delicious snacks. The keto nut and seed bars are sweet and salty, a crunch from whole nuts and seeds, but they're still soft and chewy. Sea salt, dark chocolate. That's a flavor. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Pecan almond. Yum. Peanut butter, dark chocolate. That's my fave. Today I was going grocery shopping, but I didn't want to go hungry. And suddenly my car was possessed by a hunger demon. Let me know if anyone's had this happen to them. And the car starts to steer itself without you doing anything towards a fast food drive through. Yes. Is the, it's a it's a hunger demon takes over your car and you are powerless. Yeah, his name is Arby's. He comes in your car and takes it over. I know all about him. But I quickly ate a nut and seed bar and then I was good to go. I regained control of my steering of my car mm-hmm. and went grocery shopping. It was perfect. They are keto friendly. They are gluten free, plant based, and non GMO with no soy, trans fats, sugar, alcohols, or artificial flavors. And they're delivered straight to your door. So you don't even really have to go to the grocery store. Hey. Try it for yourself and see. We have a special deal for our listeners. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code date dateline at checkout. And Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. So get started. Go to monkpack.com. That's M U N K. P-A-C-K.com and select any product and then enter the code date dateline at checkout to save 20% off your first purchase. Monk Pack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on. Thank you, Monk Pack. Thank you, Monk Pack. Munch smart with Monk Pack. Oh, hey, I have a question for you. Yeah. Are you feeling lucky, Monk? <laughs> That's terrible. I know it's terrible, but it's now really I, I have terrible. to do it. I don't like it. I know it's bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Monk Pack. Your products are delicious. I apologize, Monk Pack. They are. They're absolutely delicious. I do not eat healthy food, and I went through my Monk Pack kit like that. <laughs> I loved them. So we are sorry, Monk Pack, for the terrible impression. No, we're not. Only one of us is. The other one feels That's good fair. about it. That's fair. Detective Aaron Jones found the gun by Tara's body, the magazine wasn't locked in place. This is weird. It was partially released, suggesting the scene was tampered with. And this is the point where Makey starts playing with the gun and the magazine all willy-nilly and was making me very nervous. I would really like to know what this means. I don't know a lot about guns, so I was really struggling to understand the magazine. It becomes important. I understand that whatever it is, you can't do it. It's something that you have to physically do after pulling the trigger. I understood that. I just don't know exactly the mechanics of what was happening. Yeah. I don't know why I thought you would. 
I don't know why. No, you're asking the wrong <laughs> yeah, lady. Yeah, I'm asking the wrong question. Yeah, wrong person. Jones learns that Tara had a secret. She and Levi were growing apart. And three months before she died, she had crossed a line with Nick Schneider. No. Oh, my gosh. That's an actual demon. That's an actual demon that lives in Lori Vallow. No. Who does he live in? Lori Vallow's closet. No, Lori's, Lori Vallow's ex-husband. Chad Daybell's closet with the portal in it is Nick Schneider. Who the fake is Nick Schneider, guys? There we go. So, but it's, his name is Nick Wheeler, the guy that Tara was dating. Nick would get his hair cut by Tara every Thursday and was also cutting a the pathway to her heart. I don't cutting those heartstrings. No, that's bad. And was getting more than his head massaged. I don't. That makes me uncomfortable. That makes it's too long. It's clunky. Oh like my it. gosh. Okay, but cutting the pathway to your heart is is seamless, smooth, and and poetry. Smooth. You're just jealous that you didn't think of it. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll write it down. I'll write it down for later in case you want to use it again. <laughs> Reaches for invisible pen. <laughs> Red Sharpie. Got it. <laughs> but there was a problem. Tara is married. But there's also another problem. Nick is also married to a friend of Tara's. Boy, oh boy. This is a small town we're in. Let's be clear. We're not in Albuquerque. We're in like a sidestep town of Albuquerque. Yes, and correct. I get a weird feeling like everyone in Albuquerque knows each other too. How big is Albuquerque? Albuquerque's pretty big, but hmm. this is not as big as Los Angeles, but it's big. No, all these people know each other, every single one. All these people in this side city that we're in, side town. And all get their hair cut by Tara. Yes. Okay. And so, which makes me think her hair salon would have been a huge hit. Yeah, absolutely. Her friend Melanie calls it a messy love triangle. Mm-hmm. Also, Nick... And Detective Jones, who's investigating the case, are old friends. So now it's a Pentagon. Oh, my goodness. Involving the detective. Okay. So Detective Jones has to look at his friend. The night Tara was found, Nick had called Detective Jones asking a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. So maybe he was concerned about keeping his affair under wraps. Or he possibly just wanted to know what happened to Tara. I think that could be innocent. Melanie, the friend, said that Tara had ended it with Nick right before she died, and it was messy, that huh. he didn't want to end it. So that's interesting. So the detective goes to see Nick, and it's being recorded. And we have this incredibly awkward moment on audio where Nick has to admit the affair right in front of his wife, Samantha. And Samantha's asking the strangest questions. How many times did you sleep with her? Seems very not important to know, but I guess it is. And then the de Detective Jones interjects and says, to be clear, by sleep, we're talking about sex here. Was Whose benefit was that? Was that for the audio's benefit? Or was that for Common Sense's benefit already? Common Sense already knows that. No, it was definitely for the audio. It was for the tape. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah. Then she says, why didn't you just leave me? She jumps right to why didn't you just leave me? And then it becomes, he's saying, she tried to kiss me in the car and I pulled away. And then she says, so you wanted to kiss her? 
But two seconds ago, you were asking how many times they slept together. And now we've downgraded to you wanted to kiss her, but you pulled away. I hate that. I hate these weird lies. I really hate that. I hate it. Is he now saying they didn't sleep together? That they almost kissed and that was the affair? Yes. He's trying to downplay it as much as possible while making it still believable and doing a terrible job. Yeah. That's what's happening here. None of it worked for me. And then Samantha reveals why her questions are so weird. She knew about the affair. Right. Because Tara had confessed to her. And Samantha said she was so nice and she had to tell me. And I was just waiting for Nick to confess to me. So I was acting like I didn't know, which is always a great sign. Oh, God. Tara had said to Sam, I'm so sorry. I didn't want you to kill me or beat me up. Sam is telling this to the detective Mm -hmm. that Tara was worried Sam was going to kill her or beat her up. And Sam says, no, I totally get it. I'm fine with it. Thank you for telling me. Basically, I loved Tara. I wasn't even mad at her. I get it. She's more mad at him. She's more mad at him. And then he does this weird lie of like, we almost kissed in the car. Okay, I would, at that point, I'd be like, okay, we're getting a divorce. Yeah. Like, I'm done with you. That was ridiculous. You can't even have the decency. When confessing the affair to me. Right. This is nonsense. You're caught and you can't do it. Did you notice that she looks exactly like Tara? Did you notice that they are very similar looking when they show her picture? I didn't. Oh. But that's interesting. It surprised me. Because I was like, oh, it's another sort of like similar brunette. I've- Nick has a type. Yeah, apparently so. So the question is, where was Nick when Tara was killed? Mm-hmm. Samantha says he was with me. Mm-hmm. So they're both alibying each other. Mm-hmm. So they obviously both killed her. No, okay. we don't know. Mm-hmm. But I could have just solved it. Mm-hmm. Detective Jones now looks into Levi, the husband. Now, when it comes to Levi Chavez, Mank says there apparently was something about a man in uniform. Mm-hmm. And that thing is herpes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no evidence that he knew about Tara's secret. But it didn't really matter <laughs> because he was totes cheating on her. Yeah. And as Mankey says, he was racking up so many infidelities, he could barely remember some of his girlfriend's names. Yeah. Melanie, the friend, says he had been cheating since high school. First, there was Rose, a mother of three, also married. They had been sleeping together for two years. Oh, my gosh. She tells Mank, I was so surprised that I was number three. And Mank says... You were the third affair that he had had, which would be the reasonable thing to ask, I would think. And she says, no, I was number three in his phone speed dial. Does everyone in Albuquerque just talk really weird? Why would that be? Why would you just say? Why would you assume that someone was going to? Assume that someone would know that that's what you meant. Yeah. No, silly speed dial. What? Why would you assume? You, she ended the sentence. I was number three. I'm sorry. It's the weirdest humble brag I've ever heard. It is. It's a weird flex. Weird yeah. flex. I was number three. It, no one would know what that means. Oh, you mean speed dial. Okay. Right. And Mank is supposed to know that. Rose says she knew that he had other mistresses, and she was fine with that. 
He was a good multitasker. Oh, boy. Guess how many women there were besides Rose? Nine. I am. At the same time. Ten total. So there was an arrangement, right? Time. There was an arrangement. I mean, he would have to be a really good multitasker or have 72 hours in every day. Well, he didn't see all of them every day. He had like what he had was a Blackberry, a secret Blackberry that had a schedule in it. And so it was scheduling, right? Whilst ignoring Tara and the two children at home. Correct. So what geometric shape are we at now? Because each of the 10 most likely had their own spouse. So I'm guessing we are at about 27 sides now. Oh, Oh, you're right. 27 to gone. Yeah. But what is a 27-sided item? I looked it up. It was an Ico something. Was it really? Uh-huh. Ico something. Okay. Mank asks, how did Levi have time for 10 affairs while presumably still fighting crime? Because remember, he's a cop. And Rose says, well, we were neighbors, so that helps. That is the weirdest. No. What? No. She does. So Mank is starts teasing her, obviously. And she doesn't seem to get that she's being teased. Right. He says, well, that, you know, would be essential for something like this. You couldn't have an hour commute. And Rose is just not getting the humor right now. He's being so facetious and it's really delightful. He's really being kind of funny in this moment. And it's just right over her head. She's not. Nope. Yeah. Rose says they would meet at the kids' schools, the duck pond between their houses, to which Mank says, So Manx says, oh, so a lot of outdoor spaces. How nice. Nature walks. He's totally mocking her. Again, no clue. Oh, my gosh. They would do, quote, unquote, adult things while their kids were watching a movie together. And that's great parenting. She says it was just about the sex. It was not a relationship. She says one time Rose and Levi were together in his bedroom, which means he's having sex with these women Mm -hmm. in his bedroom in Tara's house. Rose sees Tara's picture by the bed. She then figures out, I'm sleeping with my hairdresser's husband. But she had to have known he was married, right? Because of kids and kids stuff at the house. She just didn't know. No, I said that. Oh, sorry. She didn't know who he was married to until she saw the picture. Correct. Saw the picture. And she's like, that's my hairdresser. What a small world. She's everyone's hairdresser. (laughs) That's true. It's small area. Wow. So Mank says to her, so you, of course, say, great, honey, lie down. Not, he says, great, honey. I know. Lie down. Not, I have to get out of here. This is weird. And Rose says, yeah, no, I didn't really care. It seemed like their marriage wasn't doing great, so it didn't really bother me. Rose is not coming out of this smelling like a rose. (laughs) If you think you're coming off well by going on Dateline, this interview is doing you no justice. Oh, it's not good. It's really not. And I was cringing for her. I was like, oh, girl, be quiet. Yeah. Yeah. She's just not. She's very blunt and Mm -hmm. doesn't show great judgment. Or like a heart. A heart. To be honest. A heart. This woman died. Yeah. Possibly murdered. Maybe by you, Rose. We don't know yet. We don't know yet. Detective Jones goes to see the other mistresses. One is a fellow cop. That's great. Heather Hindi. 
she's a cop who was actually on Cops the TV show. Or was she on Cops the other way? We don't know. Yes. With the other side of the thin blue line. What is it called? Off-duty Cops. Off-duty. It's terrible. Off-duty is not There's good. something better. I know there's... A- so the fellow cop, Heather Hindi, she was on the TV show Cops. She doesn't have any leads. She doesn't know anything. Uh-huh. So he goes to find the more serious girlfriend at the time because I guess they were ranked maybe according to Speed Dial, which was an episode of Seinfeld, actually, where Jerry had a girlfriend that was ranking the people in her life by Speed Dial, and she would change it like every single day depending on if she was mad at you or not. So she was constantly. Did it make him crazy? Yeah. Oh, it drove. I, it's very stressful. Yeah. Kept, it led to a lot of issues. A disaster. So he finds the more serious girlfriend who is another cop. Two cops. They don't get anything done. Deborah Romero. Sorry. Are these all cops at Albuquerque? They're all Albuquerque, yes, 100%. So they know each other. Do they know about each other? Because some of these are just for Nookie. Some of them seem to be more like maybe possible relationship. Like, do they know about each other? Or do none of these 10 people know each other? To me, Rose would be very serious, even though it was just for sex. Because that was two years long that lasted and was still going on. I felt like year makes it more like the time. He doesn't seem to rank them by time, it's, I don't really know what made Deborah more important than Heather, let's say, or Rose, let's say. Maybe it was all location-based, like Meg said. It was, I don't really understand. Me neither. I really don't. I want to, but I don't. Yeah. So Levi had told Detective Jones that he was with Deborah the night Tara died after his shift ended at midnight. Deborah backs up his story. So Mank says, we have mistress as alibi, which is exciting. Detective Jones brings in Levi, films Levi. Levi is saying, whatever you need, dude. And Jones says, I think it wasn't suicide. And Levi says, that just blows my mind. That was weird to me. His reaction. He said it with the same inflection I just said. Yeah. That just blows my mind. Like if you said Dasani was switching its logo. I would say, that just blows my mind. That would blow your mind? No. If I told you that Taylor Swift was dating Rob Zombie. That just blows my mind. No, I would have way more. I would be like, what? What? No. Yeah. What? Right. That's the reaction he should have had. But also his reaction did seem surprisingly genuine to me. He seemed very like what, are you serious? Like, you think that that could be possible? It did seem like he was not guilty. I don't know how else to put it. It seemed like it wouldn't be something where you're like, oh, I I don't see how that's possible. He didn't have the reaction. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of someone who had shot their wife would have. Right. And he does say, I just don't see, I would have seen something. I would have picked up on something, you know? Although there was possible a break-in at their house. Right. And your car was stolen. Yeah. Now... Jones says, it's just, you have so many freaking girlfriends, dude. They're duding each other now. You don't even know their names. And Levi says, yeah, that's true. I'm an a-hole. And Jones says, you're a major Romeo. Like trying to butter him up, I guess. And Levi says. Romeo's, Romeo's a nice way to say that. Levi says, she's my partner, man. And Jones says, who? 
Like, <laughs> obviously, Levi meant Tara, but it's actually a legitimate question because yeah. it's really good that he has to be sure because there's so many. And then Joan says, what do you mean, business partner or? <laughs> Again, legitimate question. Legitimate question. Because I can't imagine if you really liked her a lot that you would cheat on her with so many other women if you really liked her. Yeah. And Levi says, she's my everything partner. And Joan says, really? Because it almost looks like she was your nanny. <gasps> That's how she became the nanny. I'm Mr. Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> she was working in a flushing queens. I can't. I used to know that song. I used to watch it when I was getting ready. I remember you went through a huge phase. I remember that. Yeah. I went through a phase too. It's it's very innocuous. Yeah, it is. That's odd that Fran Drescher is innocuous, but it's kind of true. So it is, her, right? Her voice can be abrasive and innocuous at the same time. That's a talent. That's a gift. Yeah. Levi says, what do you want? Do you want me to apologize to you, dude? What he, I'm, I know I was a jerk. All right, chill out, Levi. Chill out, man. And Joan says, dude, no, no, man. I'm divorced. Bad husband. I take the cake. I want to know more. Really, Detective Jones? Did you have 11 mistresses? They're basically having a who's the worst husband off. Yeah, which is not a bad play. It's a, actually a very good play mm-hmm. to try to make himself relatable. And I kind of wish we had gotten more information, but that's also mainly because I'm super curious since you've told me about the ring. I want to know more about his personal life. See, this is what I'm saying. I told you that it was like there are things about him that I'm... So why were you such a bad husband? I am guessing workaholic. Yeah, that's possible. Okay. It could be something like that. Although we hear some stuff later that makes me think it was other stuff. I'm but sure. it also could make you think workaholic. Think about it. Definitely. Absolutely. Uh, He's definitely okay. driven. Regardless, Levi is a crappy husband. Do you feel like you're struggling in your relationship? Either the one with your family, your parents, your roommate, your wife, or any one of your 17 mistresses. BetterHelp may be the answer. BetterHelp offers therapy with a licensed professional therapist in the privacy of your home. And it's virtual, which is a good thing because if you're Levi, I would advise you to never invite anyone into your home ever again. That is how you get into trouble, sir. You can start communicating with a therapist in under 24 hours. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, but you can also send a message to your counselor at any time. Like, Mistress 4 is totes jealous of Mistress 7. What do I do? So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states, almost the same number of mistresses that Levi has. Counselors specialize in all kinds of issues like depression, anxiety, family and relationship issues, sleeping problems. You actually work side by side fighting crime with mistresses two and nine, and it's getting uncomfortable around the water cooler. And both of these ladies are armed. BetterHelp is easy. It's totally affordable. It's confidential. What are you waiting for? Katie and I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com forward slash dateline. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash dateline. Because 2021 could actually be your year. We all said it about 2020 and we were all wrong. 
it's looking better for 2021. And the thing that makes it look even better. Health. That's great. Okay. Yeah, it works. Did it. <laughs> it's not bad. Okay. It's not, it's not great, but it's... It's not it's, great. We're going to get better, you guys. It's only the beginning of 2021. Help. Better help. Okay. <laughs> we need your help to come with better catchphrases, mm. but we're going to get there for you because you deserve it. Thank you. Thank you, BetterHelp. Check them out, guys. If you waited last year, try it this year. Yeah. Meanwhile, the family is not sure about the suicide theory. They still don't think that it's right. And they also don't think that that suicide note feels right. The one that just said, I'm sorry, Levi, because she specifically didn't mention the children. Where are the children? This is a great question. And we're going to ask it again later because I have a lot of questions. Yeah. Where were the children that night? At Levi's parents' house. We were told that. And I said it. But we were both told it and I said it. But there's something else that leads me to have questions about that. We'll get to it. It's at the end. I thought that's where they were. I thought we were that at I... Levi. They were at Levi's dad's house. Oh, never mind. You're at. You're wondering because of Levi's mom watching Desperate Housewives. You know me too well. I do. Keep going. Keep it going. <laughs> Keep it pushing. My resolution was to become more psychic in 2021. You're doing great. That was I've good. That was impressive. Detective Jones agrees that Tara was very expressive. She would write long journal entries. He felt like she would have written a longer note too. Again, it's really hard to know what people's mental state is like at that time. And we're not equipped to judge. But there are people that study that sort of thing. And we're going to hear from a suicide specialist, I guess, later on. I didn't know that was a thing, but that's very interesting. Of course it is. There's got to yeah, be. There's a thing for everything. Yeah. Her friend Melanie says that the th- issues with Levi really broke her down the cheating. Also, he told her she was worthless all the time and she was finally done. She was going to divorce him, which is, yes, girl, do it. Uh Good for you. And then this happened. So it was terrible. Uh The family says Levi seemed cold and distant after she died. By the funeral, every trace of Tara was out of the house. The parents went to pick up clothing for a viewing and it was already all boxed up within 48 hours. I think we can call that acting weird at funeral and mark it off the bingo cards. Yeah, absolutely. That's very fast, but... That's very fast. Also, I I understand. I eh, It's hard. I don't know. Uh, some people might just want to not see it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm, tough call. Also, speaking of bingo cards, I am going to do 2021 bingo cards. So send me your suggestions. Great. Potential evidence had been destroyed the night Tara was found. The red substance in the toilet was flushed by a cop friend of Levi's that came to console him. Now, we should explain that the sheriff's office of the county was the one that was investigating the scene, and Levi worked for the Albuquerque Police Department, so they were totally different departments. And one of his friends that worked for the Albuquerque Police Department came to console Levi, flushed that evidence down the toilet. Uh The bedding with the blood swipe was removed by other cop friends. So, and it's, there's a lot of power dynamics too, because the Albuquerque Police Department is a lot bigger and has a lot more power than the small county. Right, of course. That is investigating. And... 
people were upset because if it was a crime scene, the local police should never have let another police forces men into the crime scene. So it's there's a lot of blurred, blurred thin blue line. Mm-hmm. Detective Jones says it wasn't a cover up. It was his fault because he didn't call it a crime scene because everyone assumed it was suicide right away. So he doesn't think that Levi's friends were necessarily getting rid of evidence on purpose. It was ruled a suicide, right? So they think they're helping him out. Then Detective Jones finds an insurance policy where Levi would get $100,000 even if it was a suicide, which is not usual for insurance companies. And this is an insurance policy that has nothing to do with the police force? No, I think it was with the police force. So I don't see why that's any big whoop. Of course, he has a policy because anytime you work for like a government, you're going to have an insurance policy. So I don't, I get it, but it's still not. It's like, okay, well, yeah. If it had been recently upped. Right. Like three days before, that would mean something. Also, $100,000 is not. It's not going to set you for life, for sure. It's, yeah. But it would get you out of trouble if you were really desperate for money. So. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Tara had told her friend Melanie, if something happens to me, Levi did it. Okay, there we go. And she told her mom that too. So definitely mark that off the bingo cards. Everyone thinks Levi did it. Everyone on Tara's side. His family totally thinks he's innocent. Detective Jones thinks Levi did it. But he was the only one in the sheriff's office. Everyone there believes Levi because he has that alibi of that mistress, number eight. Should we call her two? Like was Tara one? If Rose was three, that Deborah, who was the higher up mistress, she would be two, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Are they numbered by when they come into the relationship? Because then he doesn't have to keep redoing the speed dial. So as he's coming in. Oh, no, I think they are listed by who he sees the most. Okay. I'm assuming that it went Tara number one, mom number two, Rose number three. So Rose being high up means that he was having hanky panky with Rose a lot. Because they were neighbors. They lived so close. It was very convenient. Could have had walkie-talkies. <laughs> they could have had cans on a string. So Jones is allowed to work the case for a while, but then he was forced to move on to other cases, but he still really couldn't let it go. He really was obsessed with this. Levi's uncle and family of cops think it's a witch hunt that Jones is out to get Levi. Then we get a very long bus metaphor where Mank says, Jones was driving that bus. And then the uncle says he was the only one on that bus and he was driving that bus on the highway. And then Mank in voiceover says, well, Aaron Jones's bus was stalling. The Albuquerque Police Corps rolled on with that story. That was a journey, folks. Good for you. That is a way to work an analogy just into the ground. Just take that hammer and just pound that nail. (laughs) He got it. He nailed it, for lack of a better term. See, I did it again. It was a thing of beauty. Yeah, it was. Because of the bad press, Levi was put on administrative leave from work. I'm so sorry for you, Levi. I bet you were such a great cop. He wasn't. He was at these people's houses while he's supposed to be working. Trust me, I was being sarcastic. 
But also, this is going to give the department a bad name if he killed his wife, right? So they know that he's being investigated. Also, I'm sure that the press was writing up all the mistresses, too, because that's the juicy part of the story. So that's and and two of them were cops. So oh my God, were they on leave? Unsure. I don't think so. I don't think they were on leave. Just him. So Jones thinks outside the box. So he tells the family, sue somebody to get answers because you'll have to do a deposition and he'll have to answer questions. You can sue me if you want to. They decide to sue Levi and the whole police force. It was a huge fishing exposition, Mankey says, but would they catch anything that was more succinct than the bus metaphor? I enjoyed it the same amount. They're all good. They're all good. They're all winners here. Carpe diem. Levi has to testify under oath, but every single question, he pleads the fifth, so we get absolutely nowhere. Rose takes the stand in the deposition. It's not really a stand. It's like she takes the conference table and reveals something that she had not told the police. The night Tara died, Levi told her, my wife just died. Just way to jump right into it. And Rose says, what happened? Just because she has zero emotions. She's, Rose is cold to the bone. We've already established that. Rose is as cold as Rose in Titanic was when they fished her out of that water. Pretty much. Levi says, I don't know. I was in the shower and I heard a pop, which is brand new information because he had told everyone that he came home and found her that way. So this is new. It also explains a wet towel that Jones had found at the scene. Oh, there we go. Yeah. But was Tara's body wet? No, I don't believe so. Okay. Yeah. So Rose is at the center of the case now. She was seeing Tara as a hairdresser and they would chat. She would get gossip. As Mank says, paramore to Levi, confidant to Tara. She's a double agent. It's awful. I'm sorry. I don't like it. This is cold as freaking ice. I don't care if this woman is not your best friend. She is confiding in you about her personal life and giving you good service on your hair. This is wrong. Also, she's a woman, and I thought there was a code, but I guess not. Is Rose bored? Rose has three children. Oh, so she's not bored. She's not bored. She's maybe bored. You can be, have three children and still be bored. Just not, you're not emotionally fulfilled. It seems like she's seeking some sort of excitement in her life. So she's creating it because you could really easily just not go to her as a hairdresser. Right. 100%. That is the very least you could do out of common decency is switch hairdressers. But to keep seeing her shows that you felt absolutely no remorse whatsoever about what you were doing every time you saw this woman. For years. I can't even. For years. I can't even. So the last time she saw Tara, Rose asked Tara, hey, wasn't Levi's truck stolen a while ago? Like, what happened with that? And you had told me about that or whatever. And Tara says, oh, it wasn't actually stolen. That was a lie. Levi told his friends to take the car to claim the insurance. So they must have been fairly close for Tara to 
admit this to this random girl whose hair she had been cutting for, I'm assuming, a while. I know sometimes people confess things to their hairdresser that they don't confess to their friends because it's like comfort and anonymity and a stranger almost, even though you see them every couple weeks. But for Tara to confess... Couple weeks? Sorry, month. I don't well, I don't know how often people get their hair done. How cut. often do people get their hair done? I don't know. I don't. I go every five years, so I'm the wrong yeah, person Yeah, I ask. mean... If you get your hair dyed, maybe you go for a time. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, you must. I don't know. I'm just like, but I know that some men, like Ollie was telling me, some people go to the barber every week. They have a standing appointment Friday at 10 a.m. That's what Nick did. Nick went every week to Nick Schneider slash Wheeler went to see Tara every single week. Every week. Going to keep it tight and right. Yeah. But I just found it so strange that Tara confessed that secret about insurance fraud to Rose. Well, is it a little too strange? It's possible. I think it's a bunch of hooey. So she leaves the hairdresser. Later on in the day, she goes to see Levi because she's seeing them both on the same day because she has no conscience. And she's literally having Tara do her hair extra nice because she's about to go bang Tara's husband. I can't. Like, did Rose brag? (laughs) Did Rose brag and say, I'm going to see my boyfriend. He's really cute. Oh, your mystery man. What's his name? Oh, I'm going to keep it to myself. Or did she not ever mention anything? I mean, she was married. She was married, but she could have been confessing that she was having an illicit affair. Where's her husband in all this? I'm sorry. Do we sound really cold about Rose? I'm sorry that we are being hard on Rose. Rose does making it hard to like her. She is. She absolutely is. I think she also knows this is one of those circumstances when you're surprised someone comes and interviews on Dateline. I don't think Rose thinks what she did was all that wrong. I got to be honest. I agree 100%. Which is weird because it's, you're not, it doesn't matter if you're hurt by it or not. Other, this woman might be hurt by it. Yeah. And maybe I'm a prude or too old fashioned or something. And I'm not judging you if you've had an affair, but I am slightly judging if you're having an affair and still seeing that woman by choice and getting your hair cut by her and then going to sleep with him the same day. It's icky. Something's up here. Unless Tara knew about this, it doesn't vote. It really seems too cold. Tara was too mad at or was too, we'll find out later that the one that Tara knew about, she was really mad at. So so I think if she knew about Rose, she would not cut her hair. Yeah. Because we find out later that she was, she knew about some of them and she was upset. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. That's what I was thinking about. Sorry. Okay. I had one more thought. Okay. Is it possible that Tara had been talking to Rose while Rose was getting her hair done about her affair. Tara had been telling her about Nick Wheeler. And so that made Tara not... So keep in mind, this is a two-way street because Tara had an affair. So did Rose justify it kind of in her head? Like, well, she's cheating on him. They're both cheating on each other. I guess, although her affair with Nick was very short and Tara ended it. And the affair with Rose was going on for years. But does it matter? I guess not. See what I'm saying? Yeah, she probably could justify it in her head that way. Absolutely, she did. Because I can't imagine that she just did it with just being so cold. But again, 
are they close friends? Why is Tara confessing this to a woman whose hair she cuts that she's having an affair? God, I wish I knew. In this small town where everyone knows each other, why would you openly share that information? Really wish I knew. I feel like we're not getting part of the story. It's confusing. I feel like that too. There's something missing here because she's too nonchalant about it. Rose is. Someone let us know what you think because we're flummoxed. So Rose goes to see Levi later that day after getting her hair done up by Tara and says, your wife thinks you're involved in an insurance fraud thing with your truck. And Levi shrugged it off. Oh, she's crazy. No, that truck was totally stolen. No, no. Oh, I I skipped an important part. Mm -hmm. Tara told Rose he did this insurance fraud thing with the truck and I'm going to call the cops on him. And he's a cop, so that's really bad. So later, Rose told Levi, she thinks you're involved in this insurance fraud and she's going to tell on you. So Rose thinks that was his motive to kill her. He was scared because she was going to turn him in and his career would be ruined. I mean, he wanted to go up in the, he wanted a promotion. He wanted to rise up in the ranks. How badly? That's, I don't know. That's what Detective Jones told us. So certainly a big mark on his record like that wouldn't look great. Yeah, agreed. And so, so he pretends, no, the truck was stolen. Jones thinks that's what happened. He believes Rose. He thinks that's what happened. Eight days before Tara died, the insurance fraud bureau received a tip about Levi's stolen truck. So it looks like Tara did turn him in. The caller's name was Sarah, but the person who took the call thinks he could have been mistaken and it was Tara. And the phone number that the person gave was the phone number for her salon. So then it was her. Here we go. She told her boss, I did something bad. And if Levi, if something happens to me, Levi killed me. So she told a lot of people that. Yeah, she really did tell a bunch of people that. Yeah. Mm. So now Rose has remorse, not because she was sleeping with Tara's husband right under Tara's nose and in her bedroom. I think maybe there's other things you should feel remorse about. I think you should feel some remorse like Rose from Titanic should feel guilty for not making room for Jack on that door. But you do you, Rose. Whatever. Why didn't she make room for... Okay, just kidding. <laughs> Jones retired. You said that was so serious. Jones retires from law enforcement, but the case is jump-started and prosecutor McKay thinks Levi did it because of the truck because it would have hurt his career. The civil suit was settled, but it leads to this case being jump-started. So even though Jones isn't on it anymore, they charge Levi with Tara's murder. Mm -hmm. It regained all this interest in the case, the civil suit. 2013, the trial starts. He's been fired as a cop. Good. His family still thinks it's a joke. It's a circumstantial case. The prosecutor says to the jury... The perfect homicide is suicide, which I thought was a really good line. Hmm. And he says a cop like Levi would know that if it was a suicide, there would be no investigation and it would be the easiest way to get away with murder. I'm sure a lot of people could work that out, not just cops, but whatever. A cop would especially know that. 
Rose testifies about the truck and the insurance fraud. But since Levi still says the truck was stolen and no insurance fraud charges were brought against him ever, we don't know why, the judge doesn't allow any testimony that could back up Rose's story, which I assume means the phone call from the Sarah Tara to the insurance fraud agency. Right. And things like that. Yeah. But the big thing that the judge doesn't allow is all of the family and the friends and the boss saying that Tara said, if something happens to me, Levi killed me because it's hearsay, which still, I just still flames on the side of my face. It doesn't make sense to me. I understand hearsay, but it seems like certain things that are like declarations of something. It also seems like it's too subjective. We keep coming across this with just depends on the judge. They have their definition of hearsay and there's like, do you know what I'm saying? I feel like sometimes something like that would be allowed in and sometimes it's not. It doesn't seem like a hard and fast. I agree. And if Tara had written it in her journal, that would have been allowed. But because she's confided in her closest family and friends, that doesn't, the jury doesn't get to hear that. And that's so important. It is. But why isn't it written in her journal? Because her latest, yeah, that's a great point. I think she hadn't been journaling quite as much lately. And they said the most recent journal entries were more positive. So maybe she hadn't been journaling in the past couple weeks when the whole truck thing happened and when she started being scared. I don't know. It's a great question, though. I'm not sure. The prosecutor thinks there was another motive. He was just tired of Tara. He says, the prosecutor says he's a very me-centered person. What gave it away? I wonder. Was it the 73 mistresses? Unsure. Nah. One of the mistresses takes the stand. A woman who he met at Verizon, where she worked. I've been to a Verizon many times. It has never led to a booty call that same day. But usually I'm there with my mom helping her with her phone. And she's probably blocking anything from happening. Thanks, mom. Oh, no. Joni, step back. Let Kimberly find love. Yeah. Don't you want me to find love, mom, with a Verizon employee? Can you hear me now? Love? (laughs) So sad. He met this girl at the Verizon store and they started an affair that day. Of course they did. I just, I'm so, of course they, sure. Was it in the back room at Verizon on a stack of old phones? Or did you actually bother to leave the store first? Literally, are you breathing? Okay, great. Yeah. Maybe Levi is just bored and needs a healthier hobby than picking up women. I have an idea. Best fiends. Ooh, good one. I know. My busy cross-stitching season is finally over, and now my hands need something else to do when I'm relaxing while watching Below Deck or Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. It's really good. Let's talk about it. Or listening to a podcast that I don't have to pay super close attention to. I feel zero guilt about zoning out while watching junk TV because life is hard and it's okay to zone out sometimes. I'm not zoning out eating junk food. I'm not zoning out and impulse buying candles on Etsy. I'm zoning out and killing animated slugs on Best Fiends with the help of bug friends. And if that sentence makes no sense to you, you just don't get it. And you need to join me on the Best Fiends way of life. You just don't get it yet. You are going to join and then you'll say, Kimberly, I see you. I see the slugs. 
and know what's happening. They're not just in your mind, these slugs. They're in the game. I love Best Fiends because it's a challenging puzzle and a matching game that's fun, but it also doesn't stress me out too much. It's relaxing but challenging. And I love that you can play it as casually, as little as you want to or as much as you want to. I've been playing for probably about a year, and I'm on level 1,199. So be super jealous. Best Fiends is the infamously impossible to put down puzzle game that's free to download. Over 100 million downloads. It's five-star rated. All of us cannot be wrong about this game. No. There are levels and challenges added every day, so you're never going to run out. You're never going to be bored again. You're going to hear me talking a lot about Best Fiends on the podcast, so this is the perfect time to jump on the train. Tell me on social media what level you're on so we can have a healthy competition Instead of picking up women at a cell phone store, we're going to be doing something. Love it. Healthy. Download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends, but without the R. Best Fiends. Thank you, Best Fiends. We're so excited. Thank you. Reunited and it feels so fiends-ish. I just blew it. I'm sorry. I made it I weird, like it. but I'm excited. Thank you, Best Fiends. That's what Best Fiends are for. <laughs> I love it. It's even funnier because they're little bugs. The animation's really cute. A few weeks later, the Verizon store girl. Do we know her name? I didn't ever bother to learn it because I don't feel like Levi bothered to learn it. Amber? <laughs> sure. It wasn't Amber, but let's just say. Blennifer? Amber and Levi are in bed again at his house where Tara died. So that means that this continued after she died. He was still bringing home the ladies to the house as if we had any doubt. Where were the children? The prosecutor asks. What'd she say? You're not gonna... Where are the children? Thank you. What did she say? I don't remember what she said. She says... Amber says, he said they were there, but I didn't see them. Oh, my gosh. These poor kids. Was there a babysitter or were they just like put in a room with some cereal and a video game? What is happening? I want to make a diagnosis. I do, too. And I'm not going to. I'm just going to Say that so that people know that I want to say it. Literally right at this moment, I said not to excuse his behavior, but is it possible? That there is a diagnosis that needs to happen. There is a diagnosis here for Levi, because that's what it sounds like. And I'm not excusing his behavior at all. No, I'm not either. But this seems almost pathological, obsessive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. No, I'm I agree we're completely. on the same page. Then another mistress takes the stand, a fellow police officer. Okay. Who's this one? This is a different one than... The other two? Deborah and Heather. So this is the third police officer. I don't know how they got anything done in Albuquerque. Crime just meant running rampant. That department... Well, here's the thing, too. I don't think you're allowed to date a fellow officer. In some departments, it is very frowned upon. That's possible. On Chicago PD, they do it all the time. But that's a TV show. That's a TV show. But on Cops, colon, Love Connection, 
cops connection, cops colon handcuffed together. I'm trying to think of something we could do with love. Anyways, um, love before lockup. There we go. That's great. Always a train wreck. We, yeah, maybe actually TM. That would, we did it. No, I meant love after lockup is a train wreck. But our show that we are creating, yes, absolutely. Would also be a train wreck. But I would, I'm interested in love in the police center. I feel like it's not welcome. I feel like they don't Love in a police center, living it up when you're fighting crime. (laughs) There's another mistress. Okay, this is the same mistress I was mentioning before we went off that riff. Third police officer, we believe. Tara had found out about her and called to yell at her. Is she getting mad at Levi also? I hope so. Yeah, she must be. She must be. But this leads me to believe that she wouldn't have continued cutting Rose's hair if she knew because of how upset she gets at this officer. Right. You're right. Not long after that, someone had typed in a search on Levi's computer how to kill somebody. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen. Wow. I have so many questions. If you're a police officer typing how to kill somebody, you're bad at your job. I, I have the exact same thoughts. For I had a couple thoughts. First of all, I feel like most people kind of have an idea of how they want to kill someone. But this person is just starting fresh. Hey, Jeeves, I think I want to kill somebody. Where do I start? Is there a one killing someone ideas 101? Like they're coming to the table with zero ideas. <laughs> they don't know if they want it to look like an accident or a strangling. They don't know what they want it to look like. If they're literally bringing nothing to the table, they want the computer to do all of the work for them. And then they're like asking people at Starbucks, have you guys ever heard of something called, a, I think it's called a wiepon? Wiepon? <laughs> it's, it's French? I don't know. I'm just wondering. Do you know like what that is or like what are the different kinds? What they have this person has no idea of their own. But also I had the exact same thought of you, which is presuming this is Levi. It was his computer. He's got to be a terrible cop if he has to bing this. I think cops are trained to do some kind of they're not trained to kill. But if they have to, do you know what I'm saying? There are circumstances in which, yes, you would have to draw your weapon, et cetera. They have certainly learned and studied and seen at crime scenes different types of homicides. So they would be aware of the possibilities, I would think. I'm going to say this is a bad thing for the prosecution to bring up. Yes. This seems stupid because there's, if I was in the jury, I'd be like, okay, this is clearly not him. So who would it be? Or if it is him, it's about something more specific. It was like he is searching under a different category or something. For term paper. Right. <laughs> For school essay. Yeah. For cop essay. The prosecutor thinks Levi thought murder might be easier than divorce. We see it all the time on Dateline. Sure. Okay. Levi was trying to get rid of her so he could be with the other cop because now apparently the main side piece is they're switching. Earlier they told us the main side piece was Deborah. Now they're telling us the new main side piece is the cop Heather. Who was on Cops. Who was on Cops, correct. Yeah. He fell in love with her fame. And (laughs) 63 days after Tara died, remember when he said, I will never get over this, dude. Dude, I will never get over this. Well, he did, and it took 63 days. He gave Heather a diamond ring. 
63 days after Tara died and they got married. How are you a cop and you're supposed to be kind of, I would think, a little cynical about someone's people's behavior and you know that he cheats all over the place and he might be a murderer and you marry him? I'm so sorry. I think that Levi is tremendously good at boyfriending. I've changed in 63 days. Yeah, I think that we don't get to see, but I think he's very good with the ladies. I think he knows exactly what to say. Yeah, obviously. And the pickings must be horrifically slim. I just expect more from a cop. I would too, but I wouldn't expect more from a human. So cops are humans too, and we see people make dumb decisions all the time. That's absolutely true. In every profession. So That's absolutely true. Deborah Ramirez... The mistress who was his alibi, I believe she was the original main side chick, says, now I can't be sure what time he came to my house the night of the crime, if there was a crime. So apparently he got off work at midnight that night, and then he did something he never did. We don't know exactly what never means or if it means rarely He turned off his phone completely for 15 hours, which he, they say, never did. Well, why would you also be allowed to do that if you were a cop? It's a great question. Does he have a beeper? Do they have beepers? I don't know. Did he have two phones, a work? No, I don't know. It's a great question. I don't know if his schedule was more regular and he wasn't on call or if there was a major crime, wouldn't they need to reach him? I mean, I guess he's not a doctor, but I just... No, but I mean, if it's some... Sometimes there are crimes where it's like all hands on deck, even if you're off today, come in, you This know? seems like a career where that definitely could happen. I, I would think. So he turned off his phone 15 hours. He never did that before, the night she died. Mm-hmm. They think he found... He came home. She was asleep. He shot her. He took a shower. He was thinking someone would hear the shots and come over. And he would say, I was just in the shower. What happened? Oh my God, I heard shots. But no one came because no one heard the shots. So at this point, he texts himself from her phone. I'm scared I might hurt myself. That text was never from her. That was from him from her phone. What time was the text sent? Unsure. Experts take the stand to show that his magazine wouldn't have been partially released like that if she killed herself. So Mm -hmm. that's a big piece of evidence. Right. Now it's the defense's turn. He says, sure, Levi was completely unfaithful to Tara, but he didn't kill her. He tries to discredit Aaron Jones, Detective Jones on the stand. They were very snippy with each other. I was not happy. He brings up, apparently, Detective Jones has been fired twice Anne has been written up as mentally unfit for duty. So none of that is good. So that's what we want to know about. That's what we want to know about. And your ring. Mostly the ring, though. But does the ring have to do with the other issues? Was it from a case? From a victim? Right, that he couldn't let go of. From a family. Yeah. Later, Jones had been found eventually fit to serve and... When he resigned, he had no, he wasn't like he was discharged anymore. Right. He resigned voluntarily. But he's, he's off the force when they're doing this interview, right? He's done. Yes. He had retired. 
So I have some questions when we get to B-roll. Oh, okay. 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 So his theory was that the killer was left-handed, but that wasn't allowed in court because it couldn't be proved forensically. No forensics person ever said that they agreed that the blood spatter proved that. That was just his interpretation of the blood marks on the gun. It looks like the blood was around it where the left hand, the fingers would be, if that makes sense. There wasn't blood on the left side because the hand was there. That's what it looks like That's to him. That's enough evidence. And the gun is gone? I guess the prosecution didn't feel like they could show it or the judge said they couldn't show it because they had to have a forensic person show it. But the real question is, is Levi left-handed? Which we don't find out. That's a really good question. Why don't we find that out? Unsure. Okay. Yeah. The insurance policy was their policy for years, and it was through Levi's work, So, and nothing really had changed with it. So that wasn't really a smoking gun. The defense says that Jones had such tunnel vision for Levi that he never really looked closely at Nick Schneider, I mean Nick Wheeler, who was his friend, mm. but also because he did have an alibi, his wife. Right. So... Okay, Mm -hmm. but they think bottom line is Jones shouldn't have trusted Rose. And to emphasize that point, Dateline cuts immediately, right, as they're saying he shouldn't have trusted Rose to Rose on the stand saying, I had an itch and Levi scratched it. (gasps) Oh, my. Oh. Oh, Rose, a woman's dead. Turns out that Rose had also been arrested for fraud and forgery in the past. So she's not squeaky clean, which I think we all had figured out by, what would you call them? Her actions. (laughs) (laughs) Then we meet, we talk about the parade of mistresses on the stand, which is what Mank charmingly calls them. Parade of mistresses. The defense thinks they didn't make the case that... Levi killed her, they made the case that he was a horrible husband, which in turn would make Tara suicidal. So they spin it that the parade of mistresses makes it lean towards suicide. Right. Her defense attorney says, yes, he was a horrible husband and he ignored the warning signs and he feels terrible about that. And at this point, he pushes up his glasses and rubs his eyes like he also feels terrible about it. But he does not. No, he doesn't. An expert in suicide takes the stand and says she was at a risk for suicide. Now, the note by the bed was too ambiguous to call a suicide note. But the note in the trash he feels was a suicide note. It said something like, I hope you'll be happy now. Did it mention the children? I think it did. It was longer. It was like a page long. So, but no, we're not, we don't get to read it. So it's kind of frustrating that we don't get to read it and we don't get to see exactly if it mentions the children. All we know is we're trusting this expert who took the stand saying he felt like the one in the trash was more like a suicide note. But the one on the bedside, he couldn't say. So this is the biggest problem in the case is this note, because if she didn't write it and tear it up and then commit suicide, he must have found it somewhere, saved it, put it in the trash at this point in time to make it look like a suicide. Correct. 
So first the state was saying they were forgeries, like he forged them. No. Then it was proved that they were not, that it, it was her handwriting. So did you see the handwriting? There's no way he forged that. But then Mank says, we don't know when she wrote them. It could have been years before. Because she wrote that letter and then. And that note by the bed. And he just saved them for a while. Or found them that day in her journal or just a few days before and got the plan. And we don't know if there was a page missing from her journal. But you see why this is super problematic, right? For showing that he did it. Yeah. It's the biggest thing for me was the note. I would have liked the prosecution to have gone hard on that and figured that out. Let's just put it that way. What if the notes weren't suicide notes, though, and the suicide expert is wrong? What if they were notes saying, I'm leaving you? Yeah, I would have loved to. She was planning on a divorce. She told her parents that. I'm sorry, Levi. Yeah. I hope you're happy now. You can sleep with all these women because I'm I'm divorced. I find it funny that they wouldn't tell us that the prosecution said that then. Maybe I'm doing the job for them. And they didn't think about that. I'm pretty sure they would if they're trying to get him convicted. So I'm guessing... I don't know. The prosecution needed to combat the note harder is what I'm saying. They needed to come up with a, yes, it's not a suicide note because of X, Y, and Z, or this is why we think it was written much earlier. It's on this notepad that's not in the house anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, 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 right. that you can do. Yeah. I don't know. Just saying. The weekend she died, there was evidence that she was spiraling. Oh. She called him 315 times. This is also the bad one. That's bad. That's hard. Wow. And the defense says that's why he shut off his phone. He tells this to Mink. He wanted to avoid his wife. And Mink says, or to avoid his location being known. Mink is good at devil's advocate. Yeah, that's good. And the defense attorney says, no, we don't think Levi even knew about cell phone pings or anything like that. Well, that's... And Mink says... There isn't a cop in America who doesn't know about that. There you go. And the defense says he didn't. He's not a criminal mastermind. You've got to love when the defense is he's just not that smart. He's a cop, but he's not that smart. He's defending you, but he's not that smart. He couldn't have done it. He's just not smart enough. That's a horrible defense. We've seen it before, though. We've definitely seen it before. Oh, sure. The defense, I just love what they probably have to explain it to the person ahead of time. So I'm going to make you sound really dumb, but it's going to get you off. So just go with it, okay? Yeah, that's true. Okay. So then the defense brings in a gun expert who shows that it's possible to shoot yourself and the magazine accidentally gets released. So they show a video of it happening. They're doing like home footage and they're testing it. And if you're holding the gun upside down, which no one shoots like that. But if you were to shoot with the gun, holding the gun upside down, they show it happening on the video camera. But then, you guys, so good. The expert takes the stand to do it in court as his demonstration, and it doesn't work. It's so embarrassing for him. It's like the water, the sediment in the water. It is. In the jar. It's the sediment moment. It's the sediment moment all over again. And he's so flustered and he's making jokes like, sometimes I can make it happen and sometimes I can't. Today, I can't make it happen. It was glorious. 
I loved it. Here's the question. Did they test that specific gun over and over again? Unsure. Or if they just tested that model of gun. Because it would be good to test that specific gun to see if it happened, like test it 50 times in a row and say we tested it 50 times. It never once happened on this gun. Right. On its own, any way you held it. Yes. Well, we don't know how convincing the prosecution's team was that took the stand and explained that it doesn't happen. They testified it's impossible. Right. It doesn't happen. Maybe they said something like that. We tried it a million times. It doesn't happen. But it does happen on camera for this defense guy. But then when he does tries in court and he tries a few times in court on the stand and it's just not working. The defense points Tara as a sad, needy woman who needed male attention. And he says the breakup with Nick Wheeler was the breaking point for her, even though she instigated the breakup. Right. The defense attorney said to says to Mank, she needed Nick to latch her star to. Mank is unhappy right now. Mank is not having this. No, he's not. He says, latch her star to? How about just make her happy and, you know, not be cheated on? And the defense says, okay, okay, that's fair. And Mank says, there's very little evidence that Tara wanted to latch her star onto anyone. And the defense says, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. It was great. Why did you say it then? You're just trying to make her look badly. You're just shaming the victim. I understand that's your job, but Mank is not going to put up with it. Not for a second. It was a horrible turn of phrase. It was a horrible choice of words. Why would you say that? We all understood what you're trying to say, but it's really cruel. Yeah. Then Levi takes the stand. That is a risky move, as Mank calls it. Yeah, it is. It's ri- risky business. <laughs> he says, Tara, and because he thinks he's charming. And the defense guy thinks he's charming, too. Yeah, the defense guy loves him. Yeah, loves him. He says Tara and he have been on the brink of divorce for years, and she made suicidal comments in the past. He was ignoring her many calls, and then he starts crying on the stand. It's a tough one. Like, I kind of found it believable. I was looking for real tears, and I didn't see any real tears. Why is it that you never see real tears? You totally had real tears. I looked. I looked repeatedly. He's wiping at something. I need to see your television. His He had water coming out of his eyes. It's a good TV. I looked. I looked too. But I did not find it believable. Like, I, I definitely did not not find it believable. I thought it was, if it was a performance, it was one of the best performances. It was pretty good. Yeah, it was. So I don't know. He says, the reason I turned off my phone is because she was tr- calling me a million times. I was going to my girlfriends, my girlfriends, please, Deborah. Deborah's nice, he says. She's a nice person. I didn't want to bring my phone in there. Like, that would be rude to have my ex, he calls Tara his ex. Yes, he does. Calling me. So I turned it off because that was my romantic time with mistress number 27. So... Levi went after Deborah's house to his mom's house where she was watching Desperate Housewives, Mank tells us. Did Mank point that out? Why did Mank point that out? Because this episode feels like that. Is that what happens in Desperate Housewives? They kill someone, right? Uh, actually, it's a suicide oh. that, they're, that they are trying to figure out. 
in the first season, was it actually a suicide, I think? Or was there more going on? They're trying to figure out why their friend committed suicide in the first season. I forgot about that. It was so many seasons long. But I thought it was just more because of the love triangles and the, I don't know. Or maybe it was just, I don't think Mank has watched Desperate Housewives. So he might have. I feel like he may. No, he told us the shows he watches. He watches like documentaries and the news and he watches Bosch and stuff. Oh, that's right. Bosch. I don't know. Okay. I think it was just a surface level because it's a soap opera and maybe she was desperate house. It also gives us a time, right? The time here, I feel like, becomes a little bit important. They sort of brush over it in the episode, but I feel like it's very important what time she sends him the text about X, Y, and Z, what time he calls the mom, because it would be he took a shower because he had to do all of these things, right, before he called 911. So also, what was her time of death? Right. It's a great question. I think, so he got off work at midnight on Saturday night, mm-hmm. went to Deborah's house, spent most of the day there, then went to his mom's. And she said, Tara didn't show up for work on Sunday today. I haven't been able to reach her. Mm-hmm. And then he thought to those calls and the text that said, or, and then he got the text or he had gotten the text earlier We don't know when he got the text. I'm scared. I might hurt myself. And then he raced to the house. So now it's nighttime again. But he didn't race to the house because of those texts, right? I'm sorry. I got the impression that he was working and swung by the house to check on her during his shift. That's what they told us at the very beginning of the episode. Now they're telling us that, yes, now that that was not correct. They were trying to, I think, not get into the whole thing. He was at his mistress's house. And so now they're telling us more elaborate, which was he had not been at work since the night before. He was at his girlfriend's house all day. And then he went to his mom's house. She said she hadn't reached Tara. He thought about her comments in the past and recently and that text and the phone calls. And he raced over and then found her. He says he instantly knew when he walked in and found her dead that he was to blame because he didn't answer her phone calls and had been such a dirtbag husband. He felt like it was all his fault. It was. Kimberly, how would he have sent that text from her phone? You see, the text is a problem. He can't have sent the text. He went home after work before he went to Deborah's house and And killed her. She's been dead 24 hours and they couldn't tell that by the body? She, no one had heard from her all day Sunday. So, and that text came sometime that evening. That's what the prosecution says, that he came home. Dateline changes its story several times here. Took a shower, and that's why there's a wet towel that that doesn't know how. Unsure why the towel, I don't know how the towel would still be wet if he had taken a shower the night before. Did he kill her Sunday night when he came home? That's what they said. The prosecution said that's what happened, that he killed her, took a shower, sent the text, and then made the call to 911. But that doesn't make any sense because- Other times they had said that that text was sent before he turned his phone off or when he turned his phone back on, I guess the text was there. But that would mean that the text would have to be sent earlier, earlier, earlier before he comes home and calls 911. Your phone records what time a text is sent and they'd be able to check her phone to see what time she sent it. Yeah, no, you're right. That's a bad move on the prosecution's part. 
But we don't know what time exactly he went home from his mom's house. But they make it sound like his alibi is that she was killed the night before, that Deborah is the alibi, so that it matters what time he went to Deborah's house, not what time he left his mom's house on Sunday. But what time he went to Deborah's. Okay, sorry. Press on. Okay. So all of this does did happen the night before, they think. But I still, but then I don't understand how the towel was still wet the next night. They needed to pick and shoot their timeline. They did pick your timeline and make it work for every piece of evidence. Dateline, maybe explain it better to us because we're confused. I don't think Dateline did anything here. I think the prosecution's case is weak. It's weak. If I can say this just from watching a Dateline, I can see like this is problematic. Imagine what the jury is thinking. Yeah. Not good. No, it's. Something about, I feel like we're missing, like, I just don't understand still the time. We maybe exactly. are just missing stuff because we're not getting the entirety of the trial. So, okay, I'll give them that. Yeah. So the defense says that his Bing search of how to kill someone was because of his passion for martial arts. Okay. He says, I was looking up how to rip someone's throat out <laughs> because I wanted to find out what martial arts that was. That's not any martial arts. That's Walking Dead. So was it how to kill someone? Was this total search how to kill someone by ripping their throat out? No, we saw the printout from the computer. It says, it like, it's code. It's computer code. It says how to kill somebody, kill someone. Good Lord. So he's saying he was looking up how to rip somebody's throat out because he was super into martial arts. Okay. He says Rose was lying about the truck fraud. He says he doesn't trust Rose and doesn't even know if Tara was really cutting Rose's hair. He thinks Rose is lying about everything. <laughs> like, Which is what I said about the truck fraud. He says that his family boxed up Tara's things. Okay. He didn't know they were boxing up her things so soon. Okay. I could buy that. He said, I didn't know they were going to do that. I find that weird that they wouldn't have asked him. Maybe they asked him and he was in such a state of grief he doesn't remember them asking and he just said, sure. Maybe they just did it because they thought it would be helpful and they didn't know what to do and they did that and it was a weird choice. It was a weird choice. Mm -hmm. Then it shows that Levi had deleted every other text from Tara that weekend except for the I'm scared I might hurt myself one. That's bad. We don't know what any of the other texts from her said. Can't we find them on her phone? I'm sure we could. And I feel like if they were important, they would tell us, right? I would hope so. But who knows anymore what they're not telling us. But the fact that he deleted them all looks really bad. Yeah, that looks awful. Who's deleting texts unless for shady purposes? The only reason I can think that he would delete them, in which case he should have said this in trial is he was deleting them because of how she was confronting him about affairs and it makes him look even worse. Right. But he told the cop the very first night, I'm having an affair. I was with my girlfriend. Affairs, uh. Should have said, zuh. Should have put a plural <laughs> on that. Zuh. He says that he's a totally changed man now. And the prosecution is cross-examining and trying to get him to like say, oh, well, when did you become a changed man, blah, blah, blah. And he interrupts the prosecutor and says, I'm trying to explain. Let me speak to my jury, please. He says my jury like a bunch of times. Uh-huh. We've seen that before and we didn't like it then and I don't like it now. And Mank really doesn't like it because Mank points it out several times. 
I hate that. It's bad. And the fact that he keeps interrupting, he sounds like he's losing his temper and he's like, let me speak to my jury. I don't like that. So Mank sits down with the jury, actually Levi's jury. Mank says, what did you guys think of him calling you my jury? And they all instantaneously roll their eyes. They hate it. They're like, oh, it was horrible. I hate it. It was creepy. I hated it. They all know someone who has had an affair. They fully admit to that. But no one knows anyone who has had affairs like Levi. Mm-hmm. But they wanted to look the other way on that and focus really on the evidence. Mm-hmm. But some of his, how he treated her in the relationship is evidence to their relationship and his state of mind, like that he was cheating on her with a million different women, but also that he called her a useless piece of skin, Ugh. which is just gut-wrenchingly horrible thing that you can say about someone. That's really awful. It's disgusting. Then the jury asked to play with the gun and the magazine, and so they played around with that. They couldn't agree, but then they agree. They're unanimous. The judge says, there's a lot of animosity in here. You can cut the tension with a knife. Isn't that normal for most murder cases? I was just going to say that. Absolutely. I would guess. The jury finds him not guilty. Holy Moses. I was shocked. Me too. I was shocked. Well, especially because they say that they were split down the middle and then they went home for the night and they come back and are unanimous. I was like, oh. It's going to be guilty. Yeah. Also, did they mean home, like literal home? Like, were they not sequestered? Yeah, I think they're not sequestered. It's Albuquerque. It's not like a famous case. Yeah, I think they went home. It was in that town. They said everyone in the town was talking about it. It was in all the papers. So they should have been sequestered. Maybe make meant home like hotel room. He just said they went home for the night. I felt like home meant home. I felt like home meant home too, but that I'm concerned because if they weren't, unanimous and then they went home where they were allowed to talk to their family about the case and they would have found him guilty and then they came back and they were unanimous but then they would have found him guilty they probably would have because probably public consensus was guilty guilty not not guilty yeah yeah so when levi hears the news he makes the cross with his hands and he gives the jury this victory wave Like he just hit a home run and he's tipping his hat or something. They hate you. This little wave. Yeah, they don't want it. Like, thanks. Thanks. Uh, You know what would have been worse would be the Michael Bluth. Oh, the hands. The hands that bow. Yeah, that would have been worse. The prayer. The the bowing, the prayer hands. But it wouldn't have surprised me. No, it totally wouldn't have. It's such a douche move. And it would have been perfectly suited. But instead, he does a little victory wave. Ugh. So his family is rejoicing. Her family is horrified. Yeah. The jury explains to Mank they just didn't feel like there was enough actual evidence. They did not believe Rose at all. They didn't find her trustworthy at all. And they don't think Jones was a good detective. So they bought into the whole smearing of his character that the defense did. I was shocked. But they don't feel like the magazine thing They don't feel like the prosecution did a good enough job explaining that the magazine was actually released because Mm. it's only Jones that's saying it's released. And in the photo, it looks like it's slightly released, but they no one ever like fully examined it and has it in evidence as being released. I don't know how to explain that, like a video that shows it's released. So they just think Jones was wrong. 
that it wasn't released. And I didn't even think of that until they said it. I was like, oh, I just took it as fact. That's what it was because Jones said it. But no, I, if you're questioning Jones, then sure. If, yeah, if you're already questioning Jones, yeah. I don't know what evidence, why Jones would possibly lie about that, but. If he wanted to get this guy in trouble. Right. But it was his case. Like, why would he want this guy? He didn't even know this guy. I don't know. Maybe he didn't like him. <laughs> Mank points out that they had never heard the comments that she said to a million people, if anything happens to me, Levi did it. And I kind of wish he had been able to tell them that just to see their reaction. Like, if you had heard this from her family, her friend, Melanie, and her boss. Would that have changed your mind? Would that have changed your mind? They think it was reasonable doubt. And one juror thinks that he absolutely did it. She thinks he got away with murder, but she just couldn't convict. She just didn't feel like there was enough evidence. It's true. They did the right thing. It was complete reasonable doubt. From what I saw in this, I was like, yeah, that's, you have to do that. And it stinks. It really stinks because there's a lot of circumstantial evidence. They didn't play this right. But you have some really strong evidence. When I heard that 300 phone calls, I was like, oh. That was rough. That was very rough. Because that is a very good reason to turn off your phone. Even if you're not going to your mistresses. Yep, 100%. 300 phone calls. And it does speak to her mental state. Yes, it does. Unless there was an emergency with the children or some other good reason to call that many times that weekend, that's not normal behavior. Well, then this is a perfect lead-in to our... That's something toxic. Our new segment, which is, where are the children? (laughs) Where are they for real, though? They are with him. But, like, where were they this whole time? Well, he's been out this whole time. He was never in jail. Yes, you're right. So, and they're probably spend time with his family. I don't know. I'm sorry for them to watch the state line. This might change their opinion of their dad. Oh, yeah. So the prosecution says we gave them the evidence that we were allowed to give. We can't just make up evidence. Oh, so they're kind of blaming. Okay. We can't bring in things that the judge says we can't bring up. The uncle says we're all victims here. I'm sorry for Tara's family, but Levi's a victim too. Okay. Okay. Levi has no plans to return to law enforcement. I gave it a little bing. Bouncy house. He started a bouncy house club in a strip mall. Now, he has a new kid with Heather, who he's still married to and is an excellent husband too. He actually went to law school, specialized in criminal law. But instead of becoming an attorney, he works at a not-for-profit that is working to eradicate homelessness in Albuquerque. So that's good. What the? Interesting he went into law. What's going on? Tara's family, it's just really sad. Oh, it's impossibly sad. He said, her dad says, I'll be in good company if something ever happens to me, Josh. And he says, Josh, and I wasn't even mad at it because it's a totally different circumstance than when a jerk says Josh. I'm sorry, you mad at him the first time he says it too? Because he says it twice. Oh, I didn't notice. Oh, he says it twice in the episode and I was waiting for you to bring it up. No, I'm never mad at this dad. Poor dad, he's been through enough. He gets a little testy with Josh, and he says Josh's name. Oh, really? Yeah, it's something about Josh saying that, you know, I we hear this a lot from victims' families where they never thought the person would commit suicide, and the dad says, you know what, Josh, we knew her. 
and we know that blah, blah, but he was defending that she did not kill herself. But I would like to formally put in a request, Ms. Kimberly, to possibly consider adding person says host's name on the bingo card for 2021. Been on there, girlfriend. I would like to formally withdraw my request. (laughs) I would like to formally request that my co-host shows an interest in the bingo cards that I spent so much time on. I should really memorize those bingo cards. If I can memorize the state capitals, I can memorize a few thousand bingo cards. All right, press on. (laughs) Okay, I'm dedicating this to Kim L. and Mercedes P., who are on record as being the only two women in the world who turned down Levi, besides Katie and I, except that's not on record. Katie has a past. (laughs) But Kim L., Mercedes P., you held your ground, girl. He came at you. They were working at a Sprint store. One of them was working at a Sprint store and one of them was working. Oh my gosh. And one of them was working at the Chick-fil-A and he comes in. At the Chick-fil-A. He made his rounds. He clucked up at you and you both shut him down, girls. And I say, yay. Fully for you. I mean, that strength, you girls are the strongest here. You're the heroes that we needed. You were on the front lines fighting against Levi and his super powered charisma. I guess. And you won. We don't actually get to see that charisma very much in this episode, but apparently it's there. It's something. Or Albuquerque. It's like Alaska and it's like 10 men to every one woman. I feel like it's that. There's something happening where he's like the cream of the crop. That many All I know is that Kim L and Mercedes P had itches and they did not let him scratch them. Good job, ladies. And thank you so much for supporting our podcast. We can't do it without you. Thank you. No, we could not. We cannot do this podcast without being a Patreon. Speaking of Patreon, Katie is recapping Drag Race and doing her makeup on YouTube every week. Why are we putting this in so early? Just because we just talked about Patreon. All right. And so if you'd want to join us at the $10 level, you get a live chat with us and you get a YouTube chat with Katie doing Drag Race and makeup. And... If you join us at the $5 level, you get bonus content, like a full Dateline episode every month. Uh And we're recapping 90 Day Fiance. Yes, we are, which is very fun. Lots of fun stuff. Well, it's fun. It's torture fun. It's like half fun, half hard to watch. No, I mean, I enjoy talking about it with you, but I understand. I have deep anger for some of those people. B-roll. I only saw the detective with the table of photos. You didn't see him in his office? This is why I saw I was him so in his con- office with the table of photos. Was it a cop's office? Was it? I don't know. He's retired. So here's, I was fascinated by the office because it had a bunch of strange tchotchkes. But then did you see the placard? There's this little laminated thing on his desk and it's like Aaron in huge letters and then Jones, very small. And I'm like, that wouldn't be how that's made. There's like a police insignia, but it's like someone laminated a little thing. Beep, beep. And so instead of an actual metal placard on sitting on his desk with his nameplate, it's this little foldy thing. And I was like, is this his real office? Maybe he works as a private detective now or something. But why did they give him a fake office if he's 
Maybe he has an office. Maybe he does like security work or something. Maybe they filmed him before he retired. Dateline, maybe Dateline's been covering the story for a while and they filmed his B-roll. You said this was an update, right? I did not say that, no. You said they re-released it. They did it. They re-aired it, but I don't think it was an update. No. So maybe they did, but maybe also this was a little bit of a reenactment. This was like kind of a flashback thing where they were recreating an office for him to have him do police type stuff. But well, I mean, that's basically what all B-roll is, is like, remember what you when you were actually trying to solve the case that you've now solved because you're on Dateline talking about it. And then they're flipping through evidence that they would no longer look at because they had already solved the case. But I don't remember the last time we had a fake office. It was kind of exciting. I liked it. And then he's also very disheveled in those shots. Because in the interview, he's very buttoned up with his suit and tie. And then his his tie's completely off in one of them. And the shirt's unbuttoned. And then in one, the tie's like askew off to the side. And he's unbuttoned. It was a lot. That detective, that defense attorney put him through the ringer. I feel like that defense attorney hurt his feelings. And that <laughs> makes me upset. Defense attorney's bow tie hurt my feelings. Defense attorney, let's just jump in. Yeah. Beige suit, mm-hmm. blue striped shirt, mm-hmm. green bow tie, mm-hmm. shoes with no socks. And we see that because he's sitting with one leg crossed up. He's bare legged underneath his shoes what? that are also beige colored. Fashion. Turn to the left. <laughs> fashion. Turn to the right. It's fashion. It's fashion. Okay. I don't know what to say about him. His eyes opened so big, the whites of the eyes. And then he had that bow tie going. It was a lot. Very mad scientist energy. Very Rudy Giuliani in a bow tie. (laughs) But no dripping hair dye. Did that only happen once or did that happen multiple times? It's happened a couple. Well, it's like blotchy more than once, but it's only dripped once. It makes me really sad for some reason. I'm like, get your hair dyed. Don't use the topic stuff. That stuff is it's not. It's what happened to cotton. For wet weather. And when they went to Japan on King of the Hill. Titles. Mine are so dumb. They're just not good. Dude, where's my marriage vows? I say dude so much. There you go. Never let go, Rose. Itchy and scratchy. Oh, okay. The love pentacontagon. Pentacontagon? Pentacontagon, which is 50 sides. Pentacontagon. I can't say that word doesn't form in my head very well. That's crazy. What about an officer, but no gentleman? Great. Oh, that's good. That's great. A good defense, colon, crazy eyes and bow ties. (laughs) Love it. It's maybe a good defense. Well, it was a good defense. He got off. What about, oh, this is so bad. Levying a trail of tears and murder. That's terrible. Mm. Levying. That's really, that's a stretch even for me. Wheelering and dealering in the business of love. That was for Wheeler. That was bad too. Mm -hmm. And affairs to remember. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And probably the best title that I've got is Cutting Pathways to the Heart. (gasps) <gasps> there we go. You got it. I wrote it down from earlier. You can't. You got it. And I remembered. <laughs> yes. We're still looking for the name of that cop show, though. So don't let yourself off the hook. Cutting that ways. I, I shan't. I shall not. Oh, I got it. I got it. Oh, what? Well, what? Cops below the badge. Under the badge. 
under the badge because it implies they're feeling up second base. Oh, so that's a love show. That's the love show. That's not the cops not being cops. That's not cops off duty. No, it's the cops behaving badly. Cops beneath the badge. Or it's just called cops behaving badly. Oh, yeah, that's... That's good, too. Oh, it's right there. See, they're right there. They're just sitting there. We just can't see the forest for the trees. It's really bad. Um, Hot cops. Pain of the town. Okay. Anything else? Do you think he did it? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I would like to decline to state. I'm taking the fifth. I do. I do. I really do. I think where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's too many coincidences, but I don't believe they proved it. But my gut says yes. I would like to state with certainty that they did not prove it in court and that the jury did make the right call. That's fair. And I don't know. It's rough. It's hard. There are good things on either side here that point. And uh, some of them are so strong that they kind of cancel each other out. And I hate to say what he's doing now makes it worse. Because he's being a good, helpful member of society. Because he's really turned things around, it seems like. And is really like, okay, I'm going to put all I can in towards good, which could be happening because he feels guilty for murder. Or it could be happening because he felt guilty because he thinks he caused her suicide. Right. So that helps nothing. It's just so frustrating. Yeah. I'd be really curious to see what our listeners think on this one. This one I really want to know, and I might have to hop on some social media stuff because I really want to know what you guys think. I don't know. Let us know. If we miss something major, what did we miss? Yeah, the timeline is still very muddy for us, but I want to know if Levi's (laughs) left-handed. Could someone just answer us that? Yeah, that would be a simple, he's probably going to be ambidextrous. It's probably going to be, it's just, it's all going to, nope, none of it's going to help. It's not going to help. It's just going to be a mystery. It's just a mystery. The saddest thing is, She seemed wonderful. I'm sad for her family. Absolutely. Rest in peace. And regardless whether or not she killed herself, she was definitely going through a lot. And thanks in no part to her husband. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Take care of each other. This episode is coming out on the 20th. We hope everything is still good. Yes. This is being recorded by our past selves that have no idea what's happening. What's happening today? What's happening today? But congratulations to President Biden. And here's to 2021. Yeah. Here's, here's to the next four years, guys. Woohoo! Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. The phone being off. Yeah. The phone being off, the deleting of the texts, the, oh, a dog. What's that? Dogs? Dog. It's a dog fight. It's dogs. But then you have some really. Speaking of dogs, Levi. (laughs) That was good. He's a hound dog. Really, Detective Jones? Did you have 11 mistresses? Maybe he kissed a dead dog on the side of a road. Otherwise, Levi takes the cake. I need it. A dead dog makes up for six mistresses. So you would have to have five mistresses and kissed a dead dog. And that would put you at 11, which would be over Levi. And you would take the cake, sir. Oh, wait, but we're forgetting his gun testing thing. Yeah, that didn't bother me that much. I mean, it was dark. Sure. It's dark. It's too dark. I'm not going to subtract a point for it. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. The dog bothers me more.
I will have to say. <laughs> the dog is, oh, I hope we can get an interview with that guy at some point in time. Does he still beat himself up? I just have so many questions. Did his wife specifically tell him not to mention it? And then that got into his head like an earworm and he couldn't get it out and he just blurted it out. He had to get it out. I feel like you and he have a lot more in common than you think. I think so. Blurters. Yep. Blurters Anonymous. It's good. Yep. It's good mm -hmm. stuff.